Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year to you. I'm Barry. I'm the campus pastor at Taramara, and it's my privilege to be able to speak and share with you this morning. And uh, if you're here for the first time, special welcome to you. I hope that you're doing well. And uh, for all of those of you who are online, welcome. And I hope that uh, today you will find really, really helpful. Um, just a quick show of hands this morning, because uh, I was up late last night watching the tennis. Has anyone been watching the tennis? Uh, loving that, enjoying that. Anyone watching the cricket? Anyone watching both at the same time, flicking channels, seven and nine? Yeah, there's a few of you. Um, this is that time of year. Some people have been away on holidays. Um, sport has been great. I've had the privilege of having a little break and been for a swim on a beach on the Sunshine Coast and um, just, just done lots of different things, uh, catching up with family and uh, enjoying time together. But happy new year to you. I hope it's good for you. We're in a series called Where Do We Get the Help We Need? And uh, we've, Larry's spoken the first couple of those, and um, I don't know about you, but we all need help, and I need help, and uh, if you sense that I'm struggling to get through uh, in what I'm saying to you today, you just say, help him, Jesus, all right? Just say, help him, Jesus, just say a prayer for me, help him, Jesus, and hopefully I'll get the help I need uh, to communicate with you. But I don't know if you've noticed, we've all got questions Every one of us has got questions and we, we want to find answers to our questions. And for those of you who have been parents, you will know that if you've had a child and the child gets to the age when they're able to speak, they start to ask questions. Uh, sometimes it's like, what's this? What's that? What's this and what's that? And they get to that curious stage where they're just always asking What's this? What's that? For the others of you, though, you may have noticed and seen uh, in the life of a kid, whether you have a kid or not, the issue is sometimes they say, but why? And you give an answer. But why? And then you give an answer and they continue to ask, why, why, why? And it's good for children to ask questions and it's good for us as adults to be asking questions. And today, what I want to look at are what are the answers to life's big questions? And we're not going to cover it all today because we could be here for a long time. But I want to endeavour to look at some of those uh, answers to life's big questions. Because I don't know about you, but I've had these questions. And I'm sure that you've had these questions. Like, where do people come from? Where, how did it all begin? Where did it all begin? Why am I here? Who am I? What's the purpose of life? Where am I heading? Where am I going? These are big questions that for thousands of years people have been asking these big questions. And uh, today we're going to endeavour to have a look at some of them. We could have the view though of this uh, lady who lived many years ago. She lived 1648 to 1717. Her name was Jeanne Gayon and uh, she, she had these, this idea. She said, if knowing answers to life's questions is absolutely necessary to you, then forget the journey. You will never make it. For this is a journey of unknowables, of unanswered questions, of enigmas, and most of all, things unfair. And there is some truth to what she is saying. 
that life can be like this. There are so many things that we don't know the answer to. There are enigmas, there are these contradictions, there are things that seem unfair. But I want to ask or propose to us today that, yep, let's hold that, but let's also maybe look to John, one of the eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus, and see what he says about Jesus maybe answering some of life's big questions. There was a time when Jesus somehow, miraculously, he fed a group of over 5,000 men. There were also women and children. It could have been between 15,000 and 25,000 people that Jesus miraculously fed by a little boy giving his lunch, which was five loaves of bread that were made out of barley rather than wheat, five barley loaves, and two fish and Jesus somehow multiplied them to feed this huge crowd of people and the disciples went and picked up the leftovers and there were 12 basketfuls one for each disciple to remind them that Jesus is a is is a is is a is God who can supply our needs and do so abundantly so much so that there's leftovers but then Jesus said something after he did this miracle he said this I am the bread of life, he said. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And then he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. Now, when Jesus is saying this, he's basically saying, I am the source of life. I am where you find life and I am the one who is the giver of life. I provide everything that you need. That's what Jesus is saying. And when Jesus makes this claim, you can imagine people are saying, you're the bread of God that's come out of heaven. Well, people didn't like what he said. Some people complained about what he said. Some people disagreed with what he said. Some people said that that's not right, that that's not true. Um, And Jesus, uh, and, and they said, some of what you're saying, Jesus... It's really hard to accept. It's really hard for us to accept what you're saying. And Jesus poses a question to the people, to his disciples, to his closest 12. And he says this, he poses the question, he says, Does my preaching offend you? The Spirit gives life, but human effort accomplishes nothing. I like the fact that when Jesus preached, his preaching did offend people. Because when Jesus preaches, it's either true or not. It's either right or wrong. It's, it, 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 can't be, it can't be in the middle. It's, it's either the truth of what he says, that he is the source of life who's come down from heaven, or it's not. He either is who he says he is, or he's not. And I like that when he preaches, it causes people to, to wrestle with it, to, to discuss it, to maybe disagree with Jesus and to argue about it. I think that's healthy and I think that's good. Because the truth will be revealed. And the truth ultimately gets revealed through Jesus. After this little incident that happens, we read and come to some of the saddest words in the Bible. Happy New Year, everyone. (laughs) 
let's look at some of the saddest words in the Bible. It, said, it says this, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then Jesus said, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. He said, where else would we go? Even though, even though here's, what, here's what's happening. Even though many people turned away and stopped following Jesus, Peter says, Lord, who else could we go to? I mean, you're the one who has life. You are the life. You are the one who has the, the, the words of truth. You are the one who speaks truth. You are the ones. Where else would we go? To whom else could we go to? You're the guy. You're, you're the Holy One of God. There is no one in this world that we would rather follow but you, Jesus, because you've got it. You are the one who has the answers to life's big questions. I don't know about you, but if you look across our world today, you just have a quick look at the news, 6 o'clock news, 7 o'clock news or whatever, and you go, man, there's, there's good reason to be concerned, isn't there? And you might look across even our own country and you see what's going on and, you know, I'm not going to go into all of the politics of it all, but... There's plenty of reason for us to be concerned. And then we can look at what's going on maybe in our own state. Uh, but then you don't have to look too far and you go, gee, even in my own family, there's some stuff that concerns me. But then, you know, you don't have to go too far then. And, you, and then you let God look into your heart and you go, oh, gee, there's some things that could really concern God. And heart trouble and confusion, not just of the heart physical thing, but of the spiritual nature, is a thing. And it w existed 2,000 years ago. There was a guy called Thomas, and he had heart trouble. He was confused about what was going on. And so let's have a read of this next passage in John 14. Let's, let's see what's going on here. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, if it's not true, I would have told you it's not true. He says, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going, Thomas said to him. And then Thomas, then Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In this passage, Jesus is saying that everything that you're looking for, you find it in him. Do you want to know the way? Do you want to know the way to live? 
Do you want to know the way to life? Do you want to know the way to the truth? Do you want to know the way to heaven? Do you want to know the way to God? Jesus said, I am the way. Do you, do you want to know the truth? I mean, what is truth? Truth is reality. Truth is accuracy of representation. Truth is what is right. Truth. Do you want to know the truth? Jesus said, I am the truth. Do you want to know? Do you want to have life? You know, life, there's a couple, two words for life. There's the word bios in Greek, the, the bios from which we get the word biology, which is biological, physical life. But there's another word for life, and it's the word zoe, Z-O-E. And that means spiritual life. And we need both. <laughs> Biological life and Zoe, spiritual life. And Jesus said, do you want to have life? Do you want to have life abundantly? Do you want to have life eternal? Jesus said, I am the life. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So today, as we look to Jesus, let's see... And let's ask three big questions that people ask today and people of the world have been asking for a long time. Let's look at these three questions. And the first question is this, as we look at this, why am I alive? This is the question of existence. What's the point? Let's have a look at some examples of people who've thought about this question. One person said, my life is a movie, but I just can't figure out the plot. Another person wrote, I hope that life is not a joke, because if it is, I just don't get it. Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, asked this question. He said, why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow and shame. And if you read the life of Jeremiah, you will see that his whole life, even though he was a spokesperson for God, his life was filled with trouble, sorrow and shame. Are we here for pain and shame is what his question is. Carl Jung, the famous psychiatrist, said this, I don't know the meaning of life. I don't know the purpose of life, but it looks as if something were meant by it. Carl Jung, famous psychiatrist, upon which a lot of our studies in psychiatry have been based, doesn't know the purpose and meaning of life. To answer the question, why am I alive, there's a couple of approaches we could take. We could try the mystical approach. The mystical approach basically says... Look within. Look at your, stare at your navel, navel gaze. Try and find within what the purpose of life is. This is a very common practice across our state, across our city, across our Australia. Find truth within, find life within, find wisdom within. Look at your navel, try the mystical approach. There's another approach and that's the um, philosophical approach. 
I didn't bring it with me today, but I forgot to bring my onion. I wanted to uh, peel an onion in, for, in front of you because, except I would cry, that's probably why I forgot. <laughs> but with the mystical approach, looking within, it is just like peeling an onion. Peel, 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 peel. And what do you get when you get to the end of the onion peel? There's nothing left. The mystical approach doesn't work to help us understand the question, why are we here? Then there's the philosophical approach, and within that there are five types. I'm going to just go through these very briefly. There is the survivalist approach, which is the, f the purpose of life is just to stay alive. Then there's the naturalist approach. Uh, the naturalist says the purpose of life is to multiply, to perpetuate itself. Then there's the hedonist approach. The purpose of life is pleasure. Have fun, party hard, live life to the full, do whatever you want, look after yourself. Hedonism, very common in today's society. Then there's the intellectual approach, which says the purpose of life is to acquire knowledge. And finally, there is the materialist approach, which says that life is about the acquisition of things, more and more stuff. And there's a little saying that says, the person who dies with the most toys wins. And there is a truth to that. But here's the thing. The person with the most toys also dies. Every one of us will face death. And life is far more than just the acquisition of things. Here's the good news. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And there is a person and a place that Jesus wants to lead every person to. There is a person and a place that Jesus wants to lead every person to. Our Heavenly Father is that person and heaven is that place. So let me answer the question, why am I alive? What's, what's the reason for our existence? Here's the here, here it is, here's the truth. We are loved by God and we're made for a relationship with Him. We are loved by God and we're made for a relationship with Him. Let me read a verse for us that helps ground this truth. Here it is. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God delights in people putting their trust in Jesus and being adopted, therefore, into God's family through faith in Jesus. That's how we become a part of God's family, through faith in Jesus and God delights in that so you are loved and every person on the planet is loved and God's purpose is that is that people come to know him through Jesus second question I want to look at today uh, and that is does my life matter this is the question of significance and an important question, does my life matter? And someone has said that we, every person on the planet lives their life at one of three levels. Now, this is what someone has said. I'm not saying whether it's right or not. I want to share these three levels. The first one is the survival level. 
where you just barely get by, it's living for the weekend, perhaps it's just trying to get enough food in your tummy to exist, uh, but circumstances around you control you or you allow circumstances to control you. There's also then the success level. Success by the world standards, I guess, is comfort, having, having a retirement fund, possessions, freedom, health, we've made it. But have you noticed that millions of people today who are successful are asking the question, why is it that I'm successful and yet my life is still not fulfilled? I feel like there's something missing. And lots of successful people have that nagging question underneath. Why is it that, that there's still something missing even though I've made it according to the world's standards? And this isn't new because Solomon, who lived a long time ago, about 3,000 years ago, Solomon was the wisest king who ever lived before Jesus. Solomon was not only the wisest, he was the most famous, and not only that, he was also the wealthiest. Solomon was, he, he, he'd, in terms of success, Solomon had made it. And Solomon writes this in his in an amazing book called Ecclesiastes, which is a fascinating read. He says this, As I looked at everything that I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. Chase, can you imagine what it's like? Chase the wind. <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine how unsatisfying it would be to chase the wind, to try and catch the wind, to try and get what the wind's... I mean, you don't want to get wind. You don't, you know, you don't want to... You don't want to you, but can you imagine how hard it is to, to chase it? And then he says this, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. You see, we are made for meaning and that leads us to the third level of existence and that's significance level living. Significance level living is where we know who we are, we know that we're made by God, that God loves us, we're made for a purpose and we end up recognising that God has made us as significant and he wants us to live significant lives. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's the truth. The answer to this question is this. We are made for a life of significance that lasts forever. How good is that? That truth. Get that truth into your head and get that truth into your heart because that is rich and real. That is a truth that we are loved by God and we are made by Him for a significant life that lasts forever. And here's the two verses I want to share from the God's Word that explain this truth. Here's the first one. You ready for them? These are awesome. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Do you get it? How good is this? God has made us for a relationship with Him through Jesus. And God has prepared already for each and every one of you, each and every one of us, 
He has prepared in advance good things for us to get on with and do. And one of the joys of life is discovering, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is the good you want me to do in, on this planet in the short time that I'm here, this side of death? What can I do that honors you, that is good, and that makes a difference in the, on the planet? This is why you're here. This is part of the reason we're made. And um, here's the other thing about, about this. Life matters, and then we die. But that's not the end. Death is not a termination. Death is a turnstile. Death is just like going through one of those, those, those doors in the big offices in the city where you know, there's, there's three sections to it and, and you're just walking outside, inside. Or could it be that it's like you're walking from inside and then you're walking outside? Death is a turnstile. The best is yet to come. And so, I don't know about you, but camping is one of the activities that lots of people do this time of year, and, and, and uh, I haven't had the privilege of doing that this holiday, but camping, what do, you, what do you do when you go camping? Well, if you do it rough, you take a tent or a swag, but after a day of camping or two or three, what do you do at the end? Well, you have to pack up the tent. And the Bible uses the illustration of camping as an illustration of our life, the length of our life. It's just short. So let's read this next passage, 2 Corinthians 5.1. This is a ripper. He says this, For we know that when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, and it will be, we will have a house in heaven. Get the difference? Tent, house. This life, short, temporary, house, more permanent, better, but in God's eyes, it's eternal. We will have a house in heaven, an eternal body. And I can't wait because my body's getting older. And I can't wait to have that full head of hair again. But we're going to have an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. How good is this? Does my life matter? You bet it matters. God made you for significance, to make a significant difference here now, and he made us for significance. He wants you to last forever with him in his kingdom forever. Third question, and this next one, I apologize because we're going to be very brief, but we could do a whole seven-week sermon series just on this one. What is my purpose? The question of intention. The great atheist of, one of the great atheists of the 20th century was a guy by the name of Bertrand Russell. And Bertrand Russell said this, unless you assume the existence of God, the question of life's meaning and purpose is irrelevant. And what he's saying is, if there is no God, then there's no point. There's no purpose. And as an atheist, he's saying... There's no purpose to our existence. He says, unless you assume the existence of God, then there is no purpose. So, God has made us for a purpose though, hasn't he? 
And I want to share just a passage from Jeremiah. You know that guy I said to earlier, this guy who was a prophet, he spoke for God, no one listened to what he had to say. <laughs> he preached for 40 years. He had, a, he, had a, he had a very hard life, Jeremiah. But God revealed to Jeremiah what he had to say to the people. And let's read this one. This is, this is a good one to take home. If you haven't got one yet, this is it. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. In this alone. That they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things. There's that word again, delight, pleasure. I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Why are we here? We are here to know God. That's why we're here. We are here to love God. That's why we're here. And we are here to serve God. That's why we're here. And we are here to help as many people on this planet know God, love God, and serve God. That's why you're here. And that's why you're here this morning. You're here to, to hear this message, to, to understand the significance of your life. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.